Do you have a cannabis business? Do you want it to grow? AvivaSpectrum.com is the only way to go. To automate accounting, track and trace, Aviva Spectrum's the only way. The compliance experts you're looking for, trusted advisors, and so much more. All right, well, hopefully that intro got everybody's attention. That's one of our new intros now on our Blog Talk radio show. Uh, welcome, everyone. This is Sonia Luna, CEO of Aviva Spectrum. We're a boutique cannabis accounting firm headquartered in normally what's sunny, uh, Los Angeles, California. Today, I'm really excited about our guest, Alana Long. She's an experienced cannabis insurance broker at IQ Risk. But let me give you a quick rundown of Alana. Alana specializes in product liability, cyber liability, professional and management liability, and her clients include several cannabis industry leaders and brands in California that I know most of you are going to be aware of. Her firm, IQ Risks, uh, assists over 100 cannabis operators, whether it's insuring for their business and the buildings, the equipment, inventory, and even the cherished cash that might be in people's saves when, when it comes to, let's say, uh, fire, vandalism, and theft. And she also has premise liability and product liability for claims against her insured products, her clients' insured products. Alana is, on a personal note, a Chapman University, University graduate and an avid beach volleyball player. Alana is a true competitor who will stop at nothing to ensure her clients have the very best service and advice. And I've come to know Alana uh, over the years, and I'm really, really grateful that she's here with us. Welcome, Alana. Thanks so much, Sonia. So happy to be on your show. Looked up to you for a while, so this is an honor. All right. Well, let's get into it, Alana, because you and I spoke, um, it was just last week, and the pandemic was, it was getting crazier. It was this week. See, I'm even forgetting some of my days. And I just thought you had a lot of really, really good advice uh, for cannabis companies. And I wanted to give you an opportunity, a platform to just put out there, uh, what are your thoughts? What are some of the common insurance myths right now that are floating around because of this coronavirus pandemic? Yeah, so um, IT Risks, our commercial insurance brokerage, has actually been busier these last, this last week than ever, um, probably over 100 calls a day with our clients asking if loss of business income um, also known as business interruption, is covered under their property policy. Um, it's, it's sadly been mostly a, a no answer, but we definitely want to find coverage if there is coverage. So usually this policy would cover a covered peril or loss if it's property damage. So mostly a lot of our restaurant clients are feeling this right now, but let's say a dispensary um, building is shut down and now they're out of business for let's say four months. They have to find a new location in a correctly zoned area, which may take up to a year, or as we know, way longer in this industry. Um, and then once they do find the building, they're going to have to notify um, all of their clients where their new location's at, you know, increase their awareness of their, their everything, um, and they're going to lose a lot of income. So that's where that policy would come into play if it was a covered loss like a fire 
or vandalism on the building. Um, and then that's where having the correct income noted on the policy, whether you're making, you know, 300K per month and then what you'd be reimbursed for afterwards. Um, but in this case, coronavirus, we do not think is covered, but we are going to be making claims on behalf of our clients to see if there's any refining of the language or if carriers are going to accept any of these losses. So. And yeah. tell me again about like when to apply. So let's say it's a cannabis yeah. business and they didn't have business interruption and, and they're listening to the show and they're like, you know what? I heard about it, but I didn't do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it that they need uh, to provide an insurance broker to even quote that out? Because right now the coronavirus, you're right. I think there's hundreds of calls being done right now. Is there a yeah. policy out there for business interruption, number one? Number two, is this coronavirus covered under the typical language of, of a policy? Mm-hmm. But let's say they don't, have, they don't even have the policy and they want to get started with business interruption because yeah. now the aha moment is there and they're like, I want a yeah. policy. What is it that they need to give a broker to even quote that out? Yeah, so this is just, um, yes, yeah, under the property policy, they need to know um, financials for the year. So this is where having the correct number of what the projected revenues um, comes into play because if someone tells me they're a manufacturer and they're only going to be doing 50K of sales in the year because they think it's going to help on premium pricing, that's when they're going to be bitten in the butt later um, when they set, they're actually making, let's say, three, four, 20 million. Um, the, the actual correct sales number is what will be used later to quote um, or to reimburse for the um, loss of business income if a business was shut down due to a policy, you know, a, a building going on fire, or whatever that may be. Yeah, and what's interesting is um, we, we've been having conversations about break-even analysis, cash flow analysis, and what it comes down to is like, how much revenue do you need to have just to break even? And, and I'll get in, dovetail into your comment about, you know, being truthful about forecasts, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And, and what we're telling people, look, we'll, we'll be willing, given this pandemic, to offer a complementary analysis just to see what our fixed and variable costs for your business. But then how do you plan out, like, how many sales do you really need to make that profit that you want to make as an owner, right, or operator? Yeah. Um, and number two, if business is great, like some retailers were doing some well um, this past weekend, you know, I've heard stats from WebJoint in their point-of-sale system data and, and BDS analytics that delivery retail had an uptick. And my point is, work with your accountant to get some of those numbers finalized to get this proper quote because yeah. if you lie about it or you're very, very inaccurate – um, not only are you going to do yourself a disservice whenever you need to actually use the policy and get reimbursed, right? You're mm-hmm. also m- maybe limiting your break-even point just to, you know, ha- just start your business all over again. I mean, that's the whole point of the policy is to get you back to a level, you know, where you can continue to do business. So definitely I, I would recommend um, work with your accountant to come up with forecasting methodologies, um, as well as a break-even analysis. So that way you kind of know firsthand what, what, what's the revenue that you absolutely must have in order to keep continue running your business. Um, I wanted exactly. to get into um, 
another part of, of the cannabis industry, which which is on the delivery side. Um, you know, I, I again, I was just mentioning earlier about some stats. But let's just take delivery, okay? You know, what are the common insurance best practices that are definitely must-haves for cannabis delivery businesses that got an uptick in their, their orders because of this coronavirus? What would you recommend? Yeah, so for all delivery um, and distributors um, going to business, I would say having a proper insurance carrier um, an auto policy for these companies that the insurance carrier knows you are a cannabis company. Um, there's very few carriers that are quoting this. Um, Progressive would be one of them, 21st century another. Um, these carriers know that you're a cannabis business, so if there's a claim, if there's an accident, um, my insurance is going to be properly covered. If you are, say, under a you know Liberty Mutual or Hartford or um, you know State Farm, any other admitted type carrier, that doesn't know that you're doing business as a cannabis, you know, delivery company, a claim would not be covered. So it would not be in the insured's best interest to even buy that policy because it's like you're paying for a policy that wouldn't work. So um, proper auto carriers for this industry. And then a policy called property and transit, which is key um, for the claims that I've seen in this space. Um, this covers the property, all your product that you're delivering and the cash that you have stored in these vehicles in case of theft. So um, I've seen a lot of theft claims, cars are pulled over, um, even employee employees, the, the drivers are stealing the product um, and the cash inside the vehicle. So there's a property and transit policy that's separate, and then there's actually a separate employee um, dishonesty policy or an employee crime policy that's a separate policy that would not be covered under the theft policy that these um, cannabis operators can buy to ensure of you know what they're having in these vehicles every day. So definitely, at a minimum, a, a couple of policies, right, um, that deal with the, the yeah. products itself, and then a separate one for for the insurance. And then, I'm hearing kind of like a third, which is is the auto, which, which is California. You know, automobiles need to be insured, but you know, for cannabis business owners, it's probably a best practice to check in with their insurance broker and say, hey what's yeah. missing here for me, right? Like, uh, where, where am I exposed, right, so that they know what mm -hmm. the potential risks and exposures are. Um, but don't, what I'm hearing is, like, don't make an assumption that because, let's say, your driver is considered an hourly employee that, oh, well, their insurance policy covers the, the, the entire automotive um, part of it, and, and I don't need to be looking at that at all. Um, it's definitely something that um, employers really need to kind of um, pay attention to. And w when they talk yeah. to an insurance broker like yourself, okay, what kind of questions should they ask you when it comes to the different um, underwriters, the different policies? Like what kind of questions are smart questions to ask their broker so that they have a better educated um decision as to which policy to take because sometimes you know the insurance broker is taking the lead in the conversation boom 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 right of course. but what about the what what about the cannabis business owner what what are some smart questions they should ask any broker when it comes to and sticking with the theme of cannabis yeah. delivery businesses what what should they be asking you yeah so i would say um, if they've had any claims experience with the carriers that they're promoting. Um, obviously, there's not 
a ton of carriers out there that are quoting cannabis businesses. It's a still a small market. You know, new carriers are getting in every year since I've been in this space for the last four years, um, which is exciting because better premiums for my insureds. Um, but I really go into a deep overview of what they're looking for in a policy, what they believe is a potential claim um, for these cannabis delivery companies. Um, if you are storing more product in vehicles than maybe the 25K sublimit that some carriers stop at, um, we need to find a carrier that may go up to 100K. So really being honest with what's being stored, the values inside, um, always staying up to date with your broker, which is what I like to do is check in with my clients almost weekly to see if there's been new vehicles added or new drivers that should be listed on the policy because, yeah, they're growing so quickly. They have it's, it's, it's hard to keep the policy um, up to date with all the changes um, with, you know, tons of growth. So that's what I love to do. And I love shopping all the carriers and fully bringing back all the policies and going line by line through each one to explain if you're wanting this in a policy, this is going to be your best bet. If it's price and you're over here, but you're maybe missing this. Um, I have a lot of manufacturers and they have to have a lot of um, – they need a lot of additional insured endorsements um, and then a lot of event policies. Some of these cannabis companies are at over 150 events each year. And if you have to pay for each of those events when you could maybe ask for a blanket policy where every event for the entire year is covered, where I could just issue a certificate of insurance and send it to you right away um, and you're not waiting on me, um, that's kind of huge for some of my clients. But yeah, I, I, love, I love bringing back, you know, if there's, four or five carriers, all of their policies and going through it, each one of them and kind of explaining the differences and seeing where, you know, their their needs are best met. Yeah, and it, it seems like, you know, as a an owner and operator of a cannabis, going with the theme of delivery, um, cannabis delivery yeah. or retail, they should come in with questions of not only you as a person, like how long you've been doing it, um, what has been yeah. your experience when it comes to claims, et cetera, right? Just, oh, that's just getting mm -hmm. to know you as a human being and your expertise, right? And number two, it sounds like they should be coming in with questions of potential scenarios that they think, you know, worries them the most. What happens yeah. when my employee steals? What Do you have a policy? Or um, even some scenarios, and I've heard some a lot of complaints from uh, different cannabis operators about, oh, my buddy, this and this happened to them, and then so-and-so didn't make them whole. You follow? Like those stories. Yep. And, of course, there's two sides to every story, and I say, well, you know, for insurance in particular, like, let's face it, you don't know exactly what policy this, this person had. Second, we don't nope. know what was offered in terms of either additional items or did they take off items. So we really don't know. But bring those stories back to your broker and say, is that something that's keeping yeah. you up at night? Because your colleague, in, let's say in the delivery space, write those scenarios down mm -hmm. as well, right? And then that way you can talk to your broker and have a conversation of saying, is it even possible to ensure this type of scenario? Or why, what, what, yeah. what, what would cause an insurance carrier not to cover it? Maybe it's a different policy that needs to be, you know, added to the business mm -hmm. rather than, you know, something that's too generic. So it sounds exactly. like having a conversation. And then what I got out of it is, 
Um, you know, I get an annual checkup just on my insurance policies just in general, but it sounds like as the business changes, and, and this pandemic is definitely a change, um, mm-hmm. be proactive as a business owner and call your insurance broker and go, hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, our, you know, revenue's gone up, but, you know, is this just mm-hmm. one weekend or is this going to happen for you know, months on end, or like you said, new drivers, or a change of of a bunch of drivers, a whole change, all of that needs to be communicated, and don't wait for that annual, you know, premium notice that, oh, I got to pay my bill. Um, It sounds like they, you know, it's a two-way street, and it sounds like you're obviously very proactive. Um, And and new products. Oh, new products. Got it. New products. Updating your broker and your agent with, um, or no, updating your um, agent with all the new products you may be coming out with because maybe our policy lists that you sell um, capsules, topicals, tinctures, but they don't know that you've recently, you know, are now manufacturing edibles. And because that's not listed on the policy, that may be excluded. So anything new that's coming out, like having those um, frequent check-ins, I think are, you know, absolutely huge. Yeah, those are critical because, I mean, how would how could something be insured if it's never no. been included to begin with, Right. And, and there's such a broad exactly. assumption sometimes from owners that, oh, well, it's a policy and it covers everything I do as a business. And you're like, well, nope. yeah, <laughs> let's revisit the clauses and stuff. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about product liability insurance in the cannabis space? I mean, what are some of the common myths and, and what are some of the best practices when it comes to product liability? Yeah, so I think anyone selling a product with their name on it, they're putting any brand where um, a consumer is going to try that product and know that this this company's name on it and, I don't know, could be sued, you need product liability. Um, this is just a really smart practice for um, all cannabis operators. If you don't have your own product liability policy, you should at least be named somewhere on someone's product liability policy. So the manufacturer should name you, um, if you're a dispensary or a delivery company, as an additional insured on their product liability, which can be done on a certificate of insurance. Um, so in the line of lawsuits, your your brand is protected. So um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of carriers, probably you know, five or six that offer product liability quotes right now. This would be for any um, claim or lawsuit against bodily injury or property damage after you, let's say, ingest a topical or ingest a capsule, um, use a topical on your body and, you know, have an allergic reaction or someone says they have an allergic reaction. This this is for fraudulent, you know, requests as well. Um, yeah, so any type of product out there, I would update your agent um, with everything that you're selling um, and make sure it could be covered under that policy. There's different policy forms, whether it's CBD or THC only. So really reading through exclusions um, on that. There's, there's product liability coverage for where, wh- how you sell the product, whether it's e-commerce or dispensaries just in California or um, dispensaries nationwide. There's a ton of different things to think about. Yeah, and so what I gathered right now is, you know, I could be a retailer and I let's say I don't mm-hmm. have product liability insurance because I feel like, well, it's not my product. I'm just a, a broker between, you know, um, the, the manufacturer that manufactured the edible to the consumer, right? 
Um, but you're you're thinking that the chain of a lawsuit, right? The chain of an attorney going after um, for their client, right? Some some type of uh, either reimbursement or some type of um, payout to make the consumer, whoever ends up getting damaged, they are going to include the retailer. It seems like yep. as well yes. as the manufacturer. Definitely. So, yes. so you so know, the dispensary it, yeah. can buy it, or the manufacturers can will have it already, and then the dispensary can request that they be named on their policy. So for all my manufacturers, every day I get new requests from new dispensaries saying, we're only going to sell your product if you name us on your policy. So the dispensary doesn't have to carry the exposure for something, you know, they didn't manufacture. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. That that's actually a negotiating tactic from a retailer's perspective (laughs) saying, there's only limited shelf space in my store. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to put us as an additional insured for your product that we're going to shelve here in our store, then we'll have that conversation, right? Like we'll have that conversation about placing your product. And what's the turnaround time? I mean, it, what's the barrier? I mean, what's, are there any roadblocks to getting that done? Or, I mean, it's pretty simple. It's just like, you know, <clears throat> getting into the habit of doing it. Yeah, so the, so different policies, um, you may have to send the underwriter, or send me, which I would then send the underwriter, um, let's say the, the retailer name and the address, and then issue the endorsement adding um, this retailer onto the product liability policy. Um, or you may already have a blanket policy where throughout the year you can issue as many of those as you want, and all of them are covered. So, um, but just thinking, yeah, they, they want to see proof. So having that retailer listed on a certificate of insurance is key. So, um, and, and usually it's it's fifty to a hundred dollars to add each retailer, unless you just buy a blanket policy up front. Got it. Got it. So from a manufacturer side, maybe the conversations about getting a blanket policy. So when these requests do happen, the answer is we have a blanket policy. So any retailer we do business will will be covered. Is that kind of the, yep. the gist of that? And then yep. if they and don't then, do that, it's kind of, it's a it sounds like an administrative burden, not impossible, but you know from a manufacturer's perspective, it's like just know that that request might be coming every single time that you want to get your product on the shelf. Every time, yep. And they may, they may, they may have different limits. So different dispensaries usually right now are just um, requiring 1 million per occurrence, 2 million general aggregate in liability coverage for this. Um, but let's say mm-hmm. CBD brands are trying to get into national retailers. I've seen those limits um, be as high as 10 million for a general aggregate. So each retailer are having their own requirements that I'm seeing. Wow. So the bigger the store or retailer, the bigger yeah. general aggregate that they want, meaning the co- exactly. they want to know that the manufacturer has covered so not a million dollars. Um, have you seen any, and, I, you know, I haven't researched this, but have you seen any um, – State California state court cases on any product liability claims or your issues. Um. No, and I, I talked at a, a conference a, a year ago, and there really had only been one. Um, it seemed a bit fraudulent, but the policy actually did cover it. It was after someone used um, uh, just a, a like a form of 
a topical and they said that it made their heart beat faster and then they went to the hospital for it and actually the policy covered um, the entire hospital bill, but we don't know if that, you know, was really the cause. So that's really the only one that I've heard of. None of my clients have had a product liability claim yet. I don't know if those are more to come, but um, I don't know. It's, it, that's, that's a hard one to claim. Yeah, and I kind of like, when I think about insurance, you know, just thinking about what everybody typically has, right, in California, which is automobile insurance if they have a car, right? Um, It's sometimes like it's not so much you, the driver. Let's say you're the manufacturer. You're doing everything right, right? But by the time it leaves your hands, you you know, that end consumer could be doing other things, right? And and that those other elements, you know, the the blame and the deep pockets theory, which is the manufacturer and the retailer have insurance policies, they've got deep pockets, you're going to be included, right, if if something happens related to the product, even though it could have been a bunch of other things, whether that's other medication, other uh, ailments that they have, pre-existing conditions that they have. So it's kind of like those lawsuits may not have happened yet, but it's like you've got to worry about those other factors that the consumer is doing that will put you at risk because of the deep pocket theory that they want to include you just because they want to be compensated or made whole. Like like yeah. the example you gave right now, which is a hospital visit, which who knows how long that really is going to take, um, to clear that, that claim. So. Yeah. Yeah, so on the claim that um, what I've seen is theft, um, whether it's at the dispensaries, at the manufacturing facilities, um, with the distributors of employees physically stealing autos that maybe didn't have the GPS tracking um, on the vehicle. I've, all my claims that I've submitted have mostly been theft claims or maybe injuries for employees at work, so through workers' comp. Um, another, another claim that I've recently been seeing um, are Oh, no, I was going to say, I think you're kind of breaking out. Um, am I coming in clear? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, okay, great. Sorry. Then we... Um, yeah, so another, another claim I've been seeing more of our employment practices liability claims. Um, this would be a policy that would cover claims from an employee to an employer for, let's say, wrongful termination or failure to promote discrimination, sexual harassment, um, wage and hour. Um, so recently I've been seeing employees not showing up for their jobs. Obviously then they are getting laid off and then they're coming back and saying I was wrongfully terminated. So there is a policy in place that you can have coverage to fight those claims against these employees. Um, but that's just been crazy. If you don't come up show up to work, you should not be able to make that claim. Wow. Wow, yeah, and, and that's that's really important advice. And actually, you and I um, had a conversation via email about some of the messaging you're providing some of your clients about, um, besides you know the, the scenario you just presented, but just in general, if you've got a, if you're anywhere in the supply chain in cannabis, okay, in California, you you have the right to inform your employees about you know if you have to furlough them because you know let's say an area had to be quarantined or you're following instructions based on local authorities that you know something has to be shut down, right? And if there's no revenue, zero revenue coming into your business, 
and you've got to furlough people until you can actually reopen because of local or state regulations require you to shut down, right? You know, use the EDD as a resource, and you had a very good email that kind of um, bridged that communication to the uh, – these are businesses that, you know, the, the, the target audience from your email was to businesses. So um, I, I, found, I found that to be very refreshing, refreshing from, your, from just seeing that from you is, you know, look, guys, there's, we're all kind of working through the problem. We, we don't know what a quote-unquote, you know, coronavirus – uh, bailout's going to look like yet, okay, and how that's going to trickle to the businesses. But for now, you know, you you had some uh, pretty good helpful resources. So, um, which is one of the reasons why I think uh, a lot of people hire you, Elena, because you're very thoughtful and practical and very resourceful. Um, well, everybody, um, I know I could talk to Alana for like two hours straight, but I'm not going to do that now. So I want to thank you guys for being with us and stay safe out there. And Alana, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and get the, uh, such helpful advice. Thank you for being on our show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, Sonia. Well, this is Sonia Luna at a Compliance Expert Radio Show saying adios and uh, be safe out there. <laughs>